1: Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
2: Edgy Talk. Plain Talk. Unrivaled talk. Talk Radio. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old fashioned common sense.
0: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
3: Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is, of course, the two-year anniversary of Brexit. You've forgotten about that, hadn't you? You didn't know that, did you? I'm telling you that because this is what we do here at the Home of Common Sense. Uh, We remind you of things. Uh, Brexit got done, of course, two years ago uh, today. Uh, We're going to prepare to take stock this morning of what is actually going on. Last week was dominated by tales from Downing Street. We were regaled by questions of what if, why, when, where, with whom, why not. Uh, Meanwhile, the Sue Gray report still isn't out. The Metropolitan Police are still investigating, but no one actually knows any more about it than that. It could come out, as Julie hartley Brewer said, during this show. Most things happen during this show. I wouldn't be surprised if we get Sue Gray's report, but it won't be worth a fag end. The Prime Minister is attempting to set things right by ditching the NHS vaccine mandate and promising to make Brexit better. He's written for the Daily Mail today, surprise, surprise, mapping out how he plans to take Britain into a new era of recovery from COVID and with a new alliance of what he calls our European partners. Now, if that's the case, why is he insisting on pressing ahead with an increase in national insurance contributions for hard-working people in order to, in the government's words, reduce waiting times in the NHS, help stem the shortfall in workers and salvage the care sector too? It's just not what a Conservative government should be doing, is it? 0344 499 1000. Coming up first this morning, we're joined in the studio, I'm delighted to say, by political commentator Richard Taylor, a man who talks a great deal of common sense and so now belongs in the home of common sense. Uh, He'll give us his take on the state of play from the vaccine U-turn by Sajid Javid to the Brexit dividend and whether Boris Johnson can make everyone actually feel better. Last week, a lot of people were saying... You shouldn't be bashing Boris. Well, hang on a minute. He's now putting your taxes up. Do you still think we shouldn't be bashing him? Chris Dore QC is here as well with a call for the Dick to go after the latest Metropolitan Police debacle and why the police seems to have forgotten how to actually arrest criminals. It's unbelievable. It could be the first time we've actually agreed on anything. Peter Hitchens joins us as well. He's not exactly enamoured of what the cops are up to. This this country uh, has become, as well, as he says, uh, a ridiculous place where nobody seems to know what they are doing. And as if all that wasn't enough, we've got Lois Parry and Howard Cox coming in to tell us what the effects of the highway code changes were over the weekend and why there is a growing backlash now over the banning of diesel and petrol cars. 0344. 499-1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio.
0: The independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
3: Well, it's time to say a very warm welcome for the very first time, live in the studio. Of course, it is our man from Wales.
2: <laughs> Sir, you call yourself Sir. Uh, well, well, well there's the reason for that. Look, if Tony Blair can be knighted, right, then yes. I can I can be knighted. Oh, well, I know. You know. He's a war criminal. I mean, it's as simple as that, you know. <laughs> in my opinion, of course. Of you course. And, and you're and entirely you know, entitled I mean, yeah. to the and opinion. I'm I'm known for expressing my opinions, Mike, as you know, I like to rant about a lot of things. Yes. Of course, you mentioned a lot in your opening remarks that we're talking about Boris and the U-turn on Man. Yeah, where do you want to start? I mean, when I start with that, I think it's a huge story for, certainly for those of us who've been campaigning for this and, you know, the the nurse, the nurse, NHS 100,000, the Together Declaration, there've been so many campaigns and groups and many journalists and commentators out there that have said, look, this is completely bangled of order and wrong. Right. You cannot force or mandate a vaccine upon NHS workers. The NHS is already in massive crisis as it is. We all know that. Yes. And of course, I think this has a lot to do with the political movements of John, Boris Johnson as well, given the fact that his backbenchers were really not happy with the way no. he was handling things. And they're
3: taking credit, aren't they, for stopping the Christmas lockdown from actually going ahead and the New Year lockdown from going ahead. So they're feeling quite sort of chipper, aren't they, at the moment? Yeah,
2: of course. yeah. And it's a big boys club, and you No, know, Boris is the bad boy of politics, And let's be honest. And, you know, he was the right man for the job when it came to Brexit, getting Brexit done over the line. Absolutely. But since then, you know, he's pushing this whole idea now that, you know, we're going to get Brexit freedoms. Well, where's he been for the last two years? Then? Yeah. What's been happening? You know, right. all this promise that there'll be no, you know, take, we have the ability to take the V8, the tax off um, you know, uh, energy, energy bills, prices yes. and stuff like that. And wh- wh- why hasn't he done it yet? Right. You know, But he's putting taxes up. This is a conservative government. There's right. supposed to be low And do you know what's interesting as
3: well is that you and I and many others among us, Julia hartley of course, lots of people at Talk Radio have been calling for much of what is now being promised by Boris Johnson. But why has he had to wait until it all goes horribly wrong before he actually starts to say he's going to deliver it? Same with Robert Halfin. Robert Halfin MP was on with Julia this morning saying, let's get rid of the 20% subsidy yeah. for green energy. Well, I've been calling
2: for that for about a year. <laughs> well, know, what are they, it, catching up finally with popular opinion? Well, it is, and it? it's, it's all about political timing, isn't it? And politicians use that very well to their advantage, don't they? You know, to cover some of the other stories that we've already mentioned this morning, yes. the party gate stuff, which, by the way, to your viewers and listeners, Mike, that's not going to go away, you know. It's going to come back to bite them, let's be honest. And it ain't so much the fact Well, that it hasn't guy, gone away. No, it's, it's not that he had a party, it's the fact that the rest of us were told to stay at home, yeah. couldn't visit our dying relatives, you know. The, and, and the effect is, it's not what political journalists or commentators think on news stations, it's what the public Yes, And the public mood, I can tell you because I've been on a lot of pub tours in Wales, the public mood is people do not trust Boris Johnson.
3: That is the problem and what I always say to people is that if you say that you don't think there's anybody better and you cannot imagine replacing him with someone else inside the Tory party, well wait till the next time he does something that you weren't expecting him to do or doesn't keep his promise or doesn't do what he Mm -hmm. said he was going to do because he got away with it this time because that is his M.O. at the end of the day and it's nothing to do with me hating Boris Johnson. Some people think I hate him. I don't hate anybody. I just want what's best for this country. And what is best for this country right now is not a tax rise, is not allowing a continued flow of illegal migrants to land on our beaches as they're no doubt doing this morning on a beautiful sunny blue day in the sky. You know, not yeah. um, forcing people out of their cars to walk and cycle everywhere, not making people get green energy heat pumps that don't work in a back garden, you know, and sorting out Brexit for people in Northern yeah. Ireland and for people who, who are still suffering poverty in this country because of inflation. Yeah, That's you, what he needs yeah, to do. just
2: encapsulated there, Mike, in, in a paragraph Right, so succinctly that that's exactly how people feel. Yeah. The Brexit dividend they talked about. Well, we've been banging on about this for the last twenty months, two years since we apparently left the EU. But yeah. we're still tied in with the Northern Ireland Protocol. We still got problems with our fishing waters. We still got problems with the fact we've not used the levers available to us to cut some of the cost of living. Yeah. We've got inflation going through the roof. We've got high t- high bills coming for a lot of people, gas and electric, which is going to push people into so much poverty. Yeah. You know, that a lot of us can some people can afford it. But most people in the country can't, yes. you know, they're low income, low wage people across Wales and I know in England, Scotland mm. and everything else. People can't afford but this. But also
3: there's a lot of people, Richard, in my mind, who are now getting squeezed, you know, that there's always going to be poor people in the yeah. country who suffer. And that's what the welfare system is for, to help them through that and to provide them with some kind of safety net so that they don't have starving children. They don't have to go to food banks. I mean, I'm very sceptical about all of that anyway, as you probably know. Yeah. But now there's people in the middle who are hard-working families who actually don't make bad money and maybe make the average wage. But they're getting squeezed because you cannot possibly tell me that you can quadruple
2: somebody's energy bill and expect it not to have an impact on everything else. Yeah, well, what I don't understand is this. We've got gas under our feet, uh, but because of the green eco-warriors, we don't want to do anything about it because we're afraid of the environment. I mean, I just think it's crazy. Well, There's somebody a told agenda. me the other
3: day that that wasn't true, that in fact it's actually not cost-effective to get loads of gas from underneath the ground in this country. I've yet to hear that proper debate being had. We should have yeah. it here. Yeah, we, we should, you know, yeah. But let's talk about it. Well, let's if you not could, say, listen,
2: I'd get the shovels out of my back garden and I'd be digging for it. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, it's it'd a be like California, where well. you know,
3: you drive around in California and you come around a corner and you suddenly see one of these oil derricks in somebody's backyard <laughs> yeah. and they're literally drilling for their own oil. Yeah. yeah, I mean, let's do
2: that. I don't mind. you know, but
3: There's, there's got to be a better way, but though, isn't yeah,
2: there? Boris is off to Ukraine, or Russia, to speak to Putin. And, uh, you know, when you think about the fact that they're supplying some of our gas as well, apparently. So, you know, I mean, he's got negotiating levers there, Putin, and he? Because if he cuts off the gas, we're screwed, don't we? Well, I mean, presumably Putin, will,
3: uh, if he's got a sense of humour, will be there with some wine and cheese and go, <laughs> yeah. you know, fancy <laughs> bit of in, in Russia, yeah. we do it with champagne. In the back garden of the Kremlin. Yeah, you know, exactly really right. Where, yeah. I mean, the point is, is that he's he, he needs to get back his mojo, which he's definitely lost. Um, it may well be that he can get it back, but I'm just very, very wary of those people who are slavishly supporting. Rishi Sunak at the weekend as
2: well seems to be kind of distancing himself. What the hell is he yeah. doing, recommending a, a tax rise? Well I think they, this whole idea of levelling up, but they're taking with they're giving with one one hand and they're taking with the other, Mike. And that's what you see, you know, the national insurance hikers come in, the cost of living, all the things that you talk about constantly banging about, because it is the home of common sense yeah. where you tell people exactly how it is mm. and that's what people need to hear, need to know. And I think Boris's premiership, I don't think this is my personal opinion, and I was a great supporter of Boris Johnson to get Brexit done. Yes. Absolutely. I supported it, believed in it, we're on the anniversary of it tonight, as you know, we're celebrating it again. I always celebrate it Well, Brexit. you know, I was
3: going to ask you about that, But I'll let, to let you finish your point. Yeah, so. and
2: I think Boris is—you know—he's his, his time is—he's he's, on—he's on a watch, isn't he? and he—and I think that the the rebellion we've seen already, over vaccine passports we saw happening in the House of Commons, we've seen so many different—you know—a Paterson scandal. Mm. All these things combined, Mike, paint a picture of a man who's great. He's bombastic. He's a bad boy of politics. People like him. He's got flair, charisma. Yeah. But actually, can he govern? And yeah. th- that's the bigger question. That and that is are the question
3: him. that people are forgetting because the people who are there's there's two strands of people, it seems to me, in the media right now. There's the people who will always have a go at Boris Johnson, you know, the people who work at Sky, the BBC, you know, the Ramona side of things, who are never going to be happy, and are always going to undermine him. I mean, I heard this morning uh, on another show, somebody talking about, oh, well, of course, uh, you know, he's so he's so scattergun in his approach that they won't even give him any uh, sort of secret papers or, or classified documents to carry outside Downey Street because they think he'll just leave them somewhere now that to me is a sort of stupid that's and a re- Biden and, syndrome and, isn't it? <laughs> well yeah but it's a kind of a stupid uh, criticism of a Prime Minister but what the question really should be is right forget about the fact that you yeah. want to defend him because parties aren't important and cake doesn't matter the point is what's he actually doing and is he a Conservative Prime Minister mm-hmm. and I've been making this point now for, for months actually since about November November when I said I think he's a busted flush he's not doing it, he's mm. not a Conservative
2: Prime Minister, he's not doing what he was elected to do. I think a big shock to a lot of Conservative voters as well and supporters was this big green agenda thing that he mm. pushed, he seems to be addicted to this and the cost that's going to have on people, as we mentioned those middle earners with inflation and the hikes in taxes but more importantly, you know, to convert over to this green agenda, it's going to cost people you know, you mentioned the boilers a couple of weeks ago five, ten thousand pounds £10,000 to get one of these boilers that don't really work, you know, right. and the, the reality is this is not a conservative government that I recognise, no. you know. It, it, nowhere near. They've moved away. They've moved the goalposts mm. off the pitch. Yeah. And I think people are realising that and asking themselves, but the problem is, Mike, there's no alternative. No. What do we do? You know, we got Keir and Starmer. And also, I mean,
3: I'm the very last person who would ever want to see a Labour government in, in power. You know, certainly not under Keir Starmer, who's possibly the worst and most boring man that ever walked the earth. You know, we don't want that, and that's not what I'm calling for. But Camilla Long in the Sunday Times this weekend got it right, where somebody in what I would call a, a proper newspaper Paper actually wrote a column in which they put it all at Carrie's feet because she said quite rightly the green agenda, you know, the whole business of flying back the animals from Afghanistan, the whole business of party gate, wallpaper, all of the stuff that he's been in trouble for is all down to her. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, everything. I mean,
2: yeah, she's definitely wearing the trousers, in the relationship. Yeah. You can see that. And her effect is coming through in Boris because until he was Prime Minister, of course, we knew a lot about his private personal life, which is none of our business. You know, I don't like to talk about people's private lives no. because I've got my own, you know, my own well, issue, exactly. you know. I don't really care but what he no, does. I don't I don't care what he does privately. But but mm. when it affects the public, when mm. it affects policy and legislation and it's coming from someone who's not elected, i.e. his wife right. Carrie, I, I think that's completely wrong, you know. And I'm not sure why the Cabinet, though, don't hold him to account on these well, things. Well, imagine
3: if Theresa May's husband was doing all of that.
2: Imagine if Theresa
3: May's husband, because of his activities in the city, was getting her to give tax breaks or something to, you know, big law firms or big, you know, merchant banks. And then uh, also getting her to introduce, um, you know, foreign businesses into Britain, because that was good for him, you know, or whatever, you know, his pet project was. People would be up in arms going, "What's it got to do with him?
2: We didn't elect him. We elected Theresa May." <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's always the case of politicians. I've got to the point where uh, you know, I, I, I listen. I've only been involved in politics the last couple of years, Mike, and I got involved because I'm a working class lad from the streets of Flintley, yes. which is in Wales, right. And I just saw what you was believe happening. it or not. I've been to Flintley Rugby been to Club. I have. Well, because I used to know Rupert Moon quite well. Oh right, okay, you, probably, you might not remember. In one well, my... he yeah, had the same shape nose as me. Is I do that, remember. Yes, who, but yeah, that a Ternetli yeah. Ternetli and Jonathan Davis look alike. It must absolutely right. Yeah, well,
3: one of my earlier incarnations, I was the editor of the the Daily Mirror in Wales. So, you know, we were all over that like a rash.
2: Well, you didn't do much to get rid of Mark Drakeford, didn't you? Right in your article? he was—I didn't—he didn't, I didn't, know, he didn't yeah. exist before I did. But I did my best to
3: get rid of the yeah. Western
2: Mail. I think
3: that's just as useless as they always were. Yeah,
2: they are. I've got a word for them, but I shan't use it on radio. It's <laughs> after before nine o'clock in the evening. But yeah, look, I came from the streets, and I, I looked at what politicians were doing, and I was affecting normal, hard-working class, working-class people, and that's how I got involved in politics. And I've seen politicians lie—they lied on Brexit and and all the stuff that I'm seeing now. I still feel the same, and you know, I think people out there need to find a a new revolution, a new political yeah. party, a movement or something. Well, this was going to be my question
3: to you. You know, as you stood, I don't know if you were where you were on the night of Brexit, whether you were in Westminster uh, at the at Parliament Square, where Julie Hartley Brewer was wearing a Union Jack dress and wowing the yeah. crowds. And it was quite a night. It was absolutely staggering. And I actually wasn't feeling very well, funnily enough. I had my one and only day off the day before uh, because it was because I was unwell. But I had to go to it and I had to go to the party afterwards. And there was a sense in the country of a kind of new beginning. There was a sense of a new era. And of course, you know, nobody could have predicted COVID and all of that. But I mean, what were you when you were standing wherever you were standing with your drink in your hand that night? What were you expecting well, I, Britain to become?
2: I can remember it now. I was standing in a hotel in Cardiff because I decided to get the Brexiteers in Wales together right. instead of going to London, which we all, you know, one tends to do. I thought, let's do it in Wales because I'm a patriotic Welshman. I love Cardiff and as Wales. Well. And Wales voted to leave. Let's remember that. Although the Welsh government, Welsh Labour, of course, are still opposed to Brexit, hate yeah. Brexit, and would reverse it if they had a chance. Right. And Plaid Cymru, the Welsh Party, would take us back into the EU. That's what they want. The Wales voted to leave. And so for me, it was a celebration of the fact that we've taken back control of our money, our laws and our borders, all the things that made us a sovereign, independent nation. That's what I voted for. That's what I believed in. I believe in our country. Mm. I believe in the United Kingdom. In 2019, I believed in Boris Johnson. I believe in what he set out to do.
3: And this is a message
2: I give to people who say, why are you bashing him? You know, I haven't changed. He
3: has. Okay, so get that right. Do not make the mistake that I've somehow gone soft. Uh, on, uh, on, you know, the whole idea of conservatism and of Brexit and all of that. I think mm. there is a lump, a rump of people who are worried that if Boris Johnson goes, all the Ramonians will come back into power, and uh, suddenly we'll be back in the EU. That's not happening, no, no. by the way.
2: It well, a sad, a sad state of affairs, don't it? Right, where, where you're scared to replace a prime minister you're not happy with because there's no one better. Than That's him. the excuse they I mean, use for a, not getting rid of I the I dick. Mean, yeah, and look what I, happened well, there. Well, <laughs> she should have gone a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, we're even talking about that later, no doubt. But yeah, look. The, We've seen that with the Met Police, and we, we yeah. mentioned it at the start of the show this, after, this morning when uh, you know the the Sue Gray report has been redacted, the Met Police don't release some of it. I think the Met Police are culpable for some of the things that happened because they would have been involved in the security yeah. during the party gate. So Absolutely. maybe she doesn't want to publish things that will, you know, incriminate. Her I mean, the whole and thing, and thing is a mess
3: of their own making, and that's what I find the most objectionable: that they think that we are now responsible somehow uh, for getting them out of their own mess instead of kicking them and saying, "No, actually, just get out." and we'll bring somebody else in to, for- to fix the mess. You can't fix your own mess. Sometimes somebody has to do it
2: for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, look it's going to get to the point where I think boris is I think there's going to be more stories as well Mike you know Cummins is on his mission as well isn't he yeah. you can see that he's well, there really, will be he's, he's and people, on, a, and people he's on are, a mission to get him out
3: and isn't people he? are tired of all of that i think there yeah. is a sort of certain fatigue that sets in and Boris is hoping that that actually in the end saves his backside because he'll think that everybody forgets
2: about it after a while yeah. well one good thing the the NHS mandate, mandatory vaccinations that's being dropped right apparently today that's going which is great news right I think with the green agenda if boris does a u-turn on that and he starts you know cutting taxes where he's able to Use some of the brexit dividend that 's available to him. I think he can turn heads, and who knows he could be the next prime minister at the next general election, but at the moment it 's just my opinion mm. i don 't think he will be, and i don 't think that members in his own party are happy with him he 's a liability in mm. many cases, you mentioned out there, you know the way that he behaves, the way that he performs you know I think he 's outstayed his position. From my, that's my opinion yeah. I think really do and I think, I don't think he will be the next Prime Minister in yeah. the next general election
3: fascinating stuff we're here with Richard Taylor of course uh, we've got lots more to do and we've got calls to take as well keep them coming because we want to hear from you because I want to talk about the highway code coming up uh, because some interesting stuff happened over the weekend uh, some people saw some terrible things many of you will be telling me exactly what you saw cyclists in the middle of the road rows going on all the things that we predicted would happen did happen <laughs> Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham, right here on the Home Common Sense, the place where you will find the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I'm delighted to say uh, we've got Richard Taylor here with us this morning from Wales, a passionate Welshman, a man who believes very much in the United Kingdom, a man who believes in uh, doing the right thing for the people of this country. And when I say this country, I don't mean Wales or Scotland or Northern Ireland or England. I mean Great Britain, the United Kingdom and Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Richard, I think you and I will agree on that. Let's talk about Mark Drakeford for a bit because yeah. uh, there's a lot of things that you do in Wales that we don't do. I've got a question here actually from Steve who says, how does your Welsh guest justify free Welsh prescriptions in crossing to England for treatment because their hospital system is no good? Well, the
2: NHS under Drakeford is terrible, isn't it? Oh, absolutely dreadful. I mean, let's remind ourselves, Mike, you know, before the pandemic came, five of the seven of our health boards were in special measures. You know, there was a huge problem with ambulance waiting times, far worse than England. Mm. And yet, all Mark Drakeford ever seems to do is complain he doesn't get enough money from Westminster. Right. But yet, they have enough money to, to run the NHS. It's just run poorly. Right. You know, when you got middle management. Well, they're the, not really they're the only ones doing managers. that. I mean, they're doing You've you got it in England as well. But our waiting times were worse than England. You know, we've seen it through the pandemic as well. One in four people who died of COVID or with COVID mm. caught it in hospital. Yeah. In Wales. I mean, I mean, that's a staggering record. And we've got the highest number of deaths in the whole of the UK mm-hmm. per capita when it comes to COVID. Right. That's the t- statistics that are out there, not mine. And I think the NHS has been handled so badly under devolution it's been a disaster mm. while I don't have great confidence in the way the NHS has been run here in England it's a it's far worse state mm. in Wales currently yes. as it is and I think Drakeford has been responsible for that Vaughan Gethin who was then the health minister who failed miserably so what do they do? They give him a new job. They made him the economy minister. I mean, you can't, right? I mean, it. you
3: literally couldn't make it up, I mean, could you? Do you know anything about the economy?
2: No. Great. Well, then you could be in charge of it. And this is a government. <laughs> who, this is a government who stated on record we don't know what we're doing on on the economy. Yeah. Lee Waters, one of the members of the Parliament there, we don't know what we're doing on the economy. They just make it well, up. Well, the great as thing was along. the
3: woman who was given then the health brief. Um, one of the funniest interviews I think I've ever heard was her trying to justify what a nightclub was. Yeah, I was a Morgan. That was a yeah. good Welsh
2: name, Llynned Morgan. There you go. Yeah, some of the policies. Look, look Lockdown as well, absolutely absurd. What Drakeford did, taping up aisles, yeah. but non essential essential things, magazines. yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. Looking back as well, and I want to remind our listeners and viewers as well, there were members of the Welsh Parliament. We talked about Boris breaking part, you know, party gate and rules. They did it down in Wales as well, yeah. but because the Welsh media... Yeah, sadly, it wasn't for some Diwali party. Well, he, well, I posted that video, it went yeah. viral, 1.4 million views. It's the <laughs> biggest video I've ever put out there. Well played, and, mate. Yeah, and he was dancing in a Diwali party while telling people to wear masks indoors. I mean, it's just the hypocrisy. Yeah. And then the health minister was caught. Remember when in Wales they said you can't sit on a park bench and have yes, a picnic? right. Well, he stopped to have fish and chips with his wife and his kid, right? And someone photographed it. And yeah. then he said, no, we didn't stop for a picnic, we just stopped for a break. I mean, then we had the three, poli- mean, three politicians down there, who when they told the pubs to shut, not to sell alcohol they had a booze up down at the parliament it's as well amazing. i mean and they got away with it i know Here and on. this
3: is the hypocrisy that people are sick to death of and so you know for those people who are, who are still struggling and you know maybe by the end of this week you might get it um uh, you know there is a problem yeah. with the political system in britain it's not just in wales and scotland and england and northern ireland it's everywhere i mean you look at northern yeah. ireland where they quite often have struggles to even form a government yeah. because they can't work out what to do scotland there are people now revolting against nicola sturgeon every football match now they're chanting yeah. you know what things that we can't say here about (laughs) Sturgeon you know in England we've got a situation where we're kind of in in stalemate we're sort of treading water nothing's going on because everything it's all hands to the pump inside of Downing Street to save Boris Johnson yeah that's that's, 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 that's the
2: big focus now and I think we, we, in Wales, going back to Wales, if I can bring it back, Mike, use my opportunity as yes. much as I call them on talk radio, the home of common sense. Two. You know, Wales now is facing a situation where the Welsh Government will not be having an independent public inquiry into the handling of Covid. Right. So they're doing a UK wide one. And there are so many groups that bereaved families in Wales, for example, are mm. calling for Drakeford. The Welsh Conservatives thankfully are in some kind of opposition because they've been not very good, in my opinion, being in opposition to the yeah. Welsh Government, are calling for this independent report because things happened during the pandemic. People died as a result of restrictions yes, and lockdown. Absolutely. The mental health and impact those figures like will turn out to be far
3: bigger, I believe, than the ones from COVID themselves.
2: Ah, absolutely. And I think when that public inquiry is done, but again, are we going to get to the truth, Mike? We've mm. seen it now with Boris Johnson and this report for Sue Gray. You know, will we truly see an independent report into how things were handled and what was done?
3: Yeah, absolutely extraordinary stuff. Now, let me finish up just with a, a little item of, uh, which is close to my heart because the new highway code kicked in. To be <laughs> honest, I don't even know if, it, if you've got your own highway code in Wales. Yeah,
2: it's a UK-wide one, isn't it? I sure think so. That's not devolved. Is it not devolved? Think. So the highway. Code, I, I'm not. I'll have to check again. I assume, it, but I actually, don't think it is. Given the DVLA's in Swansea, where nobody yeah, actually bothers is,
3: yeah, going to so work yeah. anymore, I assume it's it's a UK-wide yeah. sort of thing um, because it's all Department of Transport and all that. But, you know, I saw pictures over the weekend. There was a guy in Dorset who were trying to find and get on, actually, who was a businessman uh, who said there were eight cyclists out for a ride somewhere down near Weymouth. And they deliberately didn't allow any cars to pass. They, they were turning around laughing at the drivers, you know, basically sticking two fingers up to them, because that's what now the new highway code says. Everyone's got the right of way unless you happen to be in a car or any other kind of motor vehicle. And I mean, so I want people actually to call me up today and tell me what you saw and what you what you did. Um, but I mean, what's well, well, your experience? Well, you know, I, I
2: arrived down yesterday, Mike, and uh, I'm amazed at Cannes, London. It's like a, it's like a cycle track. I it mean, is. I know it's, it's everywhere. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying people shouldn't cycle, but they're crazy. You're welcome to the velodrome. I mean, they're more dangerous than the motorists. I mean, yeah. They're just nuts. They have no sense of direction, what no. they do, and and they're doing. they're coming at you from I every mean, angle. Absolutely. You I know. Mean, it's like a war zone out there, you know. and We, we don't have the same congestion in Wales, obviously, right. so it's not as bad. Although, Mark, Drakewood has this big green agenda. Wants everyone on bikes and scooters. Although, and to bikes. be
3: honest, I remember sitting in that traffic coming in from the M4... You know, as you come into to, oh, to yeah. Cardiff past the castle, what a nightmare that was! Yeah. I bet that's not any better. Well, they wanted
2: to build an M4 relief road, didn't they? But they turned it down, yeah. which would have been which would have made huge sense because businesses now—it's it's a bottleneck mm. in the and yeah. it cuts off businesses from coming in. Right. It was a massive spend. They, they spent millions of pounds on this kind of let's find out if it's worth doing, and they turned it down because they thought it will affect the environment. But the problem is the traffic is sat there, yeah. parked up with fumes pumping well, that's out. It. I mean, all of this and is it's about the opposite. green
3: agenda in Wales. green agenda is even worse than ours, isn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely well. They, they hooked on this climate change, in fact their budget for 2022 is one of the highest spends that they have in Wales, is on their green agenda and when you consider we have the highest levels of poverty in Wales, yeah. 200,000 children living below the poverty line mm. in Wales there's a housing crisis, you know that I mentioned the health, our education we're bought of the PISA table which is the measurement for maths, science and English, yeah. it's just dreadful and lo- you know lots of people, young people if they want to get good jobs in the future, they're leaving Wales Mike, mm. and I want that to stop I want to fight against that, you know we need something in Wales, we need a new revolution, a New political party if you want to do something to change and to turn the tide in Wales. Yeah,
3: brilliant. I think Sir Richard Taylor's a pretty good title for you. <laughs> Listen, brilliant to have you on. Thank you so much for coming in. Richard Taylor, what a guy. And what views have you got to counter any of that that he said? I don't think you can argue with any of it, can you? You can try. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Talk Radio TV. It's a thing of great beauty, and you'll be able to watch Chris Dor QC. A man who's not often described as handsome, but very clever is what he's often described as. And normally, he and I don't agree about anything, but we have finally found, I think, something, Chris, that we do agree about. Good morning, Mike. Well, yeah. I hope
4: we can agree that you won't cut me off this time, because last uh, well, time I got the
3: chop. You only get cut the- off from this show if you start talking nonsense, so as long as you don't talk nonsense, you'll be fine.
4: Well, like, and Peter Hitchens, last time I met him, he wouldn't shake my hand. so really? uh, anyway, Well, he's, let, he's, let...
3: he's a man of very firm principles, something sadly lacking in our current society.
4: Well, uh, we, we, we may have to agree to disagree. I think you should shake people's hand whether you agree with them or not. But, what about, but anyway. What about listen. the
3: COVID restrictions? Have you gone mad? Were you trying to kill people?
4: <laughs> well, this was uh, this was about three years ago. Okay. But anyway. Listen, Mike, I think you're right. I think we may finally agree on something, which is that, you know, the Metropolitan Police have have basically buggered up what should have been a very straightforward report being published. And and, and by now, we should have the full facts and we should all be able to make up our minds what we think of uh, Number 10 and Boris Johnson. And instead, we've got this utter fiasco at the hands of the Met who have got themselves involved in a political, you know, kind of uh, debate, which mm. really has got nothing to do with the police. It's It's got everything to do with the rest of us, those of us who go and vote at the ballot box. And uh, the police, as we've heard over the weekend, are only managing to clear up about 5% of burglaries yeah. which are reported to them. Uh, the, 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 the rate of um, clear up for rape cases is even lower. It's about 1.6%, I think, something like that. And somehow the police have got the time to get involved in, you know, who had a glass of wine at a Party. Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous.
3: It does seem bizarre, doesn't it? Because people have often criticised Cressida Dick in the past for being politicised and for doing things with a political kind of frame of mind. And there can't be any question that that's what she's doing here, can there? Well, I I don't think it's intentional.
4: Uh, I'm not a sort of conspiracy theorist about it. I just think it's incredibly poor judgment Mm. and incredibly poor leadership. Because, you know, the, the Met have been through so many of these scandals. You remember the Westminster scandal with Leon Britton and numerous other uh, people being accused yeah, and, and, yeah. and spread all over the papers and basically the suggestion being they're all involved in some sort of bizarre sex ring. And there was absolutely nothing right, in it. Yeah. And yet the Met ran with it for years and right. spent millions on it. And this is another example. They're just going to waste probably hundreds of thousands of pounds, if not more, on an investigation that should never have taken place in the first place. Your listeners will be sitting there thinking, I called the police about a burglary yeah. like a week ago, two weeks ago. No one's turned up. Yeah. How have they got the time for this?
3: I know it seems extreme. Extraordinary, doesn't it? Because at the end of the day, you know, we need to have people uh, have faith in our political system. And the more that this goes on, the less faith they have. And it's not just about Boris Johnson anymore. It's about the entire government. It's about the civil service and it's about the police force. And if we cannot look at what is going on there, and we've been struggling with this for a week or two now because some people think this is not an important issue. I happen to think it is because it's not about the parties, not about the cake. It's about If we were all told to do a certain thing, they should have been doing it as well. But as some people have pointed out, question the dick was just as guilty when she got out and sort of clapped for the NHS on Westminster Bridge that day, standing very close to lots of people. I mean, what it does highlight is the ludicrous nature of the restrictions. But nevertheless, the police surely should not be going in to an investigation like this um, with a view to, oh, if we find somebody who's done something wrong, we'll fine them 50 quid.
4: Well, it's, t- it's £200 uh, fixed penalty, and, and I, but, but, the, but the point's the same. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, we, we could end up spending, I mean, just think about it from a taxpayer point of view. Just think about it from all those people who are waiting for operations in the NHS, you know, that have been put back for year after year. Um, and, and just think about it from their perspective. They, they, we could end up with them collecting, let's say, a couple of grand in fines, right. but spending hundreds of thousands or millions yeah. to get there. Uh, when actually the court that matters is not it's not the sort of court of the Metropolitan Police or the court of even even the criminal courts. The court that matters is the court of public opinion, the court of voters, the court of you and me, Mike, because we're the ones who have to make a judgment about whether Downing Street is fit for purpose and whether the Prime Minister should remain in office. Uh, ultimately, so do Conservative MPs and, they, and other MPs should have to hold the Prime Minister to account. But the police have just made a catastrophic error in getting involved in this. There was no reason for it. And I can tell you this, Mike, as a Sort of as a legal issue, there is no legal reason and no power in the hands of the police to restrict the reporting of this Sue Gray report in detail and in full. There is no kind of legal proceeding that could be prejudiced. There can't be a trial because this isn't a criminal investigation. It's an investigation into the breach of regulations. There's no power to even hold a trial. So, I mean, the idea that they're using the same sorts of rules that you apply when there's a major criminal investigation into a murder or Mm. rape or some other kind of complex case where they have to restrict publication, those rules don't apply to the investigation of something like this. So the whole thing is legally wrong, and in my view, it's politically wrong, and it's wrong, it's a a harm to the taxpayer whose hard-earned money is being wasted and thrown down the drain by the whole process.
3: It's also kind of condescending as well to the general public, you know, it's as if they're all looking at us going, they're so stupid, they have no idea what we're actually doing. Because let's remember that the original decision by the Metropolitan Police was that they were not going to investigate Downing Street parties because they didn't believe there to be any evidence, and they also said, we don't... believe in looking into anything retrospective, which came as a bit of a surprise to an awful lot of people who were in prison for having been arrested for a crime they'd done a few years before. Uh, They then said, uh, we're going to investigate, uh, but it won't have any effect on Sue Gray's report. She can carry on with that. They then said, actually, uh, when you do make your report, Sue, we'd be very grateful if you didn't put anything in it. And it's got you kind of going, sorry, you know, what are you going to say next? Well, exactly. That's the problem here,
4: isn't it? They actually got it right to start with like, when they said that it was their policy not to investigate long um, sort of historical breaches of the COVID regulations and reports of those breaches. And the reason for that was very simple, because if they investigated every single alleged breach of COVID regulations over the entire sort of almost two year period, they'd be doing nothing else. Mm. Uh, there, were, there were, you know, hundreds of thousands of reports of people, you know, breaking the rules in one shape or, or form. And the police took the view, in my view, rightly, that the proportionate action was to take out action immediately if someone is breaking the rules now today tonight causing a public health risk the police go break it up and stop it and everyone goes their separate ways that that makes sense to me and everyone can understand that but but pouring over who went to a party a year or two ago yeah. i mean it's just ludicrous it's a complete waste of public money and police time and i for i for one. I think the police should have stuck to their guns. They should have said, this is nothing to do with us. We're not going to waste public money on this. We've got more important things to do in our in our city, uh, in London, in terms of crime and, and, and violence and all the other things that, that come across your airwaves every single day. That's what our focus is. Leave the government, leave the civil service to get on with investigating that. Put everything out in the public domain and we'll all make our choice when the next election comes round.
3: Yeah, I think that's a very sensible view. You said earlier in one of your tweets that you thought that this surely might be the end for christ dick and the metropolitan police management currently as it stands i mean sadiq khan is also involved in the running of the metropolitan police surely he spares some responsibility for this as well
4: well he, he has no operational control of, the, of police decisions he has no ability to control what they investigate and, and and how they how they decide to approach investigations into a party gate or, or anything Although else he so, i
3: think he did say that he was glad the investigation was going ahead
4: well, he might be, but that, I mean, he has no control over it. I mean, that's just his opinion. Um, he has, a, he has a, a, the right to be consulted in relation to the appointment of the next commissioner. But beyond that, he has very little control over what the Met do. I mean, the point I was making in my tweet about is this the end of the Met as we know it mm. is mm. that it's become an organisation which has been so discredited by a number of kind of high profile cases where they've got it catastrophically wrong, where they've got involved in politics or they've got involved in, in matters that are really nothing to do with policing on the streets and crime and the sorts of things that people expect the police to do so my point was really do you know there, we, we still have this this ancient system of, of geographical police forces that have you know 40 odd of them that have been around for for many many years and I, and I just wonder whether the time has come to just have either a national police force or some sort of regional police force that is completely separate from politics that politicians have nothing to do with it they are just you've been listening to my show again haven't you
3: you've been listening to my show again i was saying exactly that last week
4: well, there you go. So I, I, I didn't actually hear you say that, Mike. So so it's, so it's a genuine great mind situation. Yes,
3: absolutely right. Now, one final one. Would you advise Mr. Keir Starmer or Sir Keir Starmer, as he likes to be known, and Angela Rayner to stop using the words criminality when they refer to what was ever going on inside of Downing Street?
4: Yeah, they're, they're, I, they're, I've heard them say that. I heard Angela Rayner say it in the House of Commons and I've heard. Uh, Keir Starmer say it a number of times and Keir Starmer of all people should know better as a former QC and and Director of Public Prosecutions in charge of the criminal justice system on the prosecution side this is not a criminal investigation and that's one of the many reasons why the Met shouldn't be doing it at all. This is an investigation into breaches of regulations they are are not crimes, the 100,000 plus people who got fixed penalty tickets over the last two years are not criminals, they don't have a criminal record so anybody that gets one of these tickets isn't going to be uh, considered a criminal either so let's call it what it is these are regulatory breaches they are you know I'm not saying it's insignificant um, it, when people broke these rules my personal view I suspect aligns with yours Mike is that the public should have been trusted uh, they should have been given information they shouldn't have been forced into this by law they should have been given the information about uh, about the safe way to behave and then should have been trusted to get on with it that's my view so I don't think any of these regulations should ever have been brought in in the way that they were but the truth is Mike you're 100% right these are not crimes let's stop calling them crimes because it's it's misleading and the opposition do themselves no credit when they use the wrong term for what's going on.
3: Very well said. i was feeling slightly queasy, Crystal. We keep agreeing on everything. I have to get you back on to have a row about something, but that'll be later on. Uh, thank you very much indeed, Crystal, QC, criminal lawyer and commentator. You see, the home of common sense can handle all sorts of different views. And when we all agree, that means we must be right. OK, doesn't that isn't that what it means? Because Chris is absolutely right. Uh, The Metropolitan Police is discredited. Chris the Dick is discredited. It's not a criminal investigation, but they need to get on with it and get on with it sooner rather than later. Boris Johnson, on the other hand, wants it to drag out for as long as possible because the longer it drags out, the more insignificant it appears to be. And that is why I still say that he is done. He is dusted and uh, he's putting taxes up. I
1: don't want him. This is Talk Radio. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A welcome
3: back to the Independent Republic. Let us say a very good morning to Peter Hitchens from The Man on Sunday. Peter, how are you? Good morning. Shall we begin with an imaginary conversation between Messrs Putin and Johnson and what on earth it could ever be about?
5: Well, I suppose we'll probably begin with uh, with Putin saying who? <laughs> I, I don't think the Russians care all that much about Britain. No, uh, it's we're not we're not high on their list of preoccupations. Uh, we think that they are. And no, no doubt the Foreign Secretary Liz Truss, who thinks she's world queen, thinks that we are. But I don't think they really they know, for instance, Uh, that we have a tiny and diminishing army, uh, a shrinking navy, much of which stays in port, which is actually very like their navy, which is uh, even more clapped out than ours, as I should point out, Uh, and very little influence in the world. Though, I suppose, out of politeness, uh, a call would be taken. But I think that half half the problem with this is that the the Western countries, or many of the Western countries, are imagining uh, a coming invasion of Ukraine by Russia, which they keep saying is going to happen. And the Russians keep saying, well, actually, no. Um, This morning, interestingly, the the president of Ukraine has been saying, well, I'm quite sure what this invasion is you're all going on about. Uh, It seems to be something which exists entirely in the minds of Western statesmen.
3: Is it a sort of... um... Peter Sellers movie style invasion. I mean, that's what it's became, beginning to look like. And apologies to anybody who's not old enough to remember who Peter Sellers was. But I mean, I do wonder as well, when you see stories over the weekend from, I can't remember which cabinet minister was threatening it, but, you know, oligarchs, Russian oligarchs will have no place to hide in London. And you go, well, you know, most of them are hiding in the Dorchester Bar. It's not quite not difficult to find them. They're all hanging about in the very expensive uh, bars of all the very expensive hotels on Park Lane.
5: Well, no doubt there are a lot of, of, of Russian oligarchs who got their money by all kinds of extraordinary means hanging out in Britain, and no doubt you make life inconvenient for them, but I don't think it would make very much difference to, to Russian policy. But let's return for a moment to Rome, what is this supposed invasion? Where did it come from? What is the evidence that it's going to happen? And Russia says uh, that it's free to move its troops around on its own territory, which is a normal rule. Uh, it says it, it has no intention of invading Ukraine. And the reason why this is believable is that it would be start raving mad for Russia to invade Ukraine. Mm. I, I don't have much doubt that the Russian army, which has recently been quite substantially modernized and, and made a good deal less drunk than it used to be, uh, could probably equip itself reasonably well. But once you start fighting people on their own territory, uh, which they would be doing, things would go seriously wrong, and then you'd have the problem of holding it down. I don't think any sane person in Russia imagines that you could reconquer a Ukraine by force of arms, assuming you could take it physically, then you've got to hold it down. Everybody knows that's the hard bit. Why would you do that? Uh, Breaching international law, probably bankrupting yourself, quite possibly leading to a huge crisis uh, in, in Russia, which would bring down the government. I can't see what's in it for them. So I, I just wonder if we shouldn't be questioning this idea a, a little bit more.
3: Yes. But is this also the case of, of, sort of learning from the White House, where whenever there was a crisis domestically, um, whatever American president happened to be in charge, would threaten some kind of foreign action and get everybody's minds uh, very much focused on another part of the world so that they couldn't look inside what was happening in the White House?
5: No, I think there's a bigger game going on here. I think a, a lot of people in, in Western diplomacy have begun to understand that they've been pushing Russia around too much for too long and that it, it has to come to an end. Uh, in fact, there is an existence, an agreement between Russia and the Ukraine, guaranteed by some Western countries called Minsk II, uh, which would m- not solve this problem, but certainly make it a lot easier. It would deal with the uh, the current situation. Uh, horrible mess in the Russian-speaking areas of the Don Basin and, mm. and turn Ukraine into a, a more federal country. Uh, the thing is that this agreement, having, as far as I know, been been agreed to by all the, by, by, by Russia and, and Ukraine, has never been implemented. And it's, it, you, it depends on who you listen to, to work out who it is who who's, who's actually got in the way of this. But the problem with it is is that it would turn Ukraine into a, a much more federal country, more mm. like Switzerland. Uh, in which the, the Russian speakers were, were given a good deal more local autonomy than they have now, and, and their language a, a good deal higher standing than it has now. And there are a, a people in, in Ukraine, particularly the Western nationalists from around Lviv, as it's now called, uh, who object strongly to that, who want Ukraine to be to be a wholly Ukrainian-speaking country, in which the Russians, Russian speakers pretty much take what they can get, And that's half the problem that Ukrainian nationalism is opposed to the sort of compromise, which would bring peace and ultimately prosperity to a country which, if only it were properly governed, could be one of the richest and happiest countries on the face of the earth. So it's a horrible, corrupt slum at the moment because it's, it's so unstable and, uh, and it spends so much of its time involved in being used as a battering ram by Western countries against Russia.
3: Yes. Yes, I mean, it is a very, very difficult situation, I suppose. But, I mean, I can't imagine what um, the arrival of Boris Johnson will do to, uh, to pour oil on troubled waters, really.
5: Well, not much. But can I just say this, make this point here? Whenever you hear or read anybody prosing on and on about Ukraine, ask yourself how many of them have even mentioned the Minsk 2 agreement if they even know it exists uh, or, or what it says, mm. because it's extraordinary how it, this, this, this perfectly good, diplomatically arrived at way out of the crisis, just doesn't get a look in at the moment. Mm. And I, it, it just suggests to me that, that I, I, for many years, I mean, I don't claim to be an expert on Russia or Ukraine, but I have lived in Russia and been to the Ukraine as a reporter. Uh, for many years, on the, everything to do with this argument has been a positive disadvantage to know anything about it. Uh, the, 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 much easier to join in the chorus mm. uh, of, of, of wicked Russia and wonderful Ukraine, and uh, this, this strange business you will have noticed now. More and more news organisations calling Kiev, which is the English name for the for the city, Kiev, Kyiv, K Y I V, as a sort of politically correct. Yeah. Uh, kowtow. We now it's now one of these countries. Uh, where we have to change the spelling of everything
3: <laughs> to please them, yeah, to show that
5: we're on, show that we're on side. Well, don't do that. The English name is Kiev. It yes. always has.
3: They don't do Sorry. it with Moscow, obviously, do they? So,
5: no, no. If, if people started calling it muskva which is how it's actually pronounced mm. in Russian, everyone would say, Who, "Where is that?"
3: Yes, yes. And it is a curious. Uh, I, if, it...
5: if I pronounced "masterful" in Russian, you wouldn't know what I was talking about.
3: It's interesting, actually, because that leads us on to the next point that you wrote about this weekend, and that's Wales. Because I noticed when I was working in Wales many years ago. All of the um, road signs were printed both in Welsh and in English, and as was the uh, the word "hedlu" put on the side of police cars because police apparently is not what you call them in Wales. You have to call them "hedlu" because "hedli" apparently uh, or oh, Hedli, Sorry, my apologies. Yes. So I'm uh, told. As in, well, you're probably right actually because it's "cymru" isn't well, it? Uh, with the "u" pronounced yeah. with an "i". But that's the thing. And the Welsh Language Act. I had a friend who lived there in uh, Chepstow. Uh, which was just on the other side of the bridge and he was English and his daughter went to a Welsh language, a Welsh school. And by law, she was taught the Welsh language. Now, I don't have a particular problem with that. However, lots of sort of what you might call ultra-nationalists in Wales would like you to call places like Cardiff and Swansea and Tlenetli by different names. And, and it is a kind of creeping change of language, isn't it? Well, it's
5: it's, it's, it's the way that these things proceed. Now, i, I like you perhaps more so I'm very much in favor of the preservation strengthening of the the Welsh language there's some fantastic literature in it which would die out if the language were not spoken and it's a a shame that it's been diminished as much as it has and quite a lot of native Welsh speakers probably feel quite cross about the way that language is marginalized Mm. so nothing wrong with that Uh, if people in Wales want to use Welsh and call uh, names places by Welsh names that's great but requiring other people outside to call uh, to call them by welsh names is different may, some years ago i went to ukraine this is the last time i went there properly uh, to write about the problems there and language is a big problem there and one of the, the points that i made was was that what was happening in the russian-speaking areas was as if wales had become independent and in doing so had incorporated devon and cornwall hmm. and begun to impose the welsh language on devon and cornwall right. uh, so that you had the police called Headley in exeter and this is what was going on in, in ukraine and a, a lot of russian speakers found it quite uh, hard to cope with you can go to the cinema for instance and the, the films were in ukrainian which right. they didn't speak right. uh, and there was no uh, the, the russian is is uh, is 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 not an official language uh, the ukrainian is the official language and that's that's one of the ways in which this this um almost triumphalist uh, ukrainian nationalism dominates uh, a lot of, a lot of life in that country to which Makes it harder for Russian speakers, who many of whom are very happy to be mm. living in Ukraine, and Ukrainian patriots, it makes them harder to, to actually live there. And I, it's pointless. Uh, I think the, the, the federal idea incorporated in the Minsk 2 agreement is actually rather clever uh, and w- would solve that problem, would enable u- Ukraine to flourish, which I think every civilized person wants it to do. Mm.
3: Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? Let's talk a bit more about Wales and Mark Drakeford. Uh, you made an interesting point about something that he had said, um, which more or less kind of distanced the way the Welsh government runs itself from almost anywhere else in Britain, didn't it?
5: Well, back uh, Scotland is very similar. It's just interesting what, what Mark Drake, Drakeford had said. And uh, I noticed that Janice Turner of the Times, who by, by no means shares my political opinions, has spotted it too. And uh, that, that Mr Drakeford, in, in, in contrasting his uh, his his government's uh, performance with the English one, saying, "Well, we believe in in collectivism, and they believe in individual freedom." And as as Janice Turner said, he spat out the words "individual freedom" with a certain measure of dislike in them. I think that there is a big difference between Wales, uh, less so perhaps, and, and Scotland, very much more so, where it, there's, there's a strong belief that. Uh, that, that, that that the Scots will say that that I am my brother's keeper, that, that interfering in other people's lives is, is more justified in, in, in Scottish thought than it is in English thought, and this is a big difference. And it's becoming very important. And it used to be that in England, the idea that the, the freedom under the law was it, and after that you were left to your own devices, uh, whereas in Scotland and perhaps Wales, things were a bit different. Uh, it's now, in, in England, the struggle is going on. What the point about Drakeford's, uh, Mr. Drakeford's uh, interviews was that it suddenly made it clear what this has been about from the start. Collective authoritarianism, based on a belief that the government can save us from peril and, and is, is our guardian, and liberty under the law under which we free to get on with our own lives. And that is what this has been about from the start.
3: Yeah, because collectivism presupposes everybody agrees, doesn't it? Which, of course, they don't.
5: Well, it presupposes those who are in the minority having to put up with what the majority tell them what to do. And this is this is majoritarianism, which is a a, a form of dictatorship. Mm. Uh, If you happen to be in the minority in in such an arrangement, then that's tough. You just have to abide by what the majority say, whereas what you ought to have is an adversarial parliament in which both sides agree to compromise on on, on such things. And you
3: don't get pushed around and forced to do
5: things which you fundamentally don't want to do. Mm.
3: Yes. It's funny, isn't it? We don't seem to have that anymore. Stay with our Peter. We want to talk about Chris the Dick and the Metropolitan Police and their whole involvement in what is now uh, the Downing Street debacle. Uh, it's not about party gear anymore. It's now about a political uh, police investigation, which has in many ways stymied the original investigation, and there can only be one benefactor from that, and it's Boris Johnson, right? This is Talk Radio. Now, there are some things that are known. There are some things that are unknown. There are known unknowns. There are unknown unknowns. I'll tell you what is a known known. A known known is that breaking news always happens on my show, on this show. And we've got some breaking news for you. uh, The Sue Gray report has indeed, as we suggested it might be, uh, been handed into Downing Street. That's the breaking news. And we're about to talk to Peter Hitchens about that because he's with us from the Mail on Sunday. We're going to talk about Crest Dick and the involvement of police. I suspect, Peter, that this report, as it is in its current form, will not really be very interesting because the police have asked for Sue Gray to please try not to mention any of the parties that we're investigating on the grounds that it might prejudice our investigation. So what hopes do you think uh, of an interesting revelation coming later on today?
5: Well, I don't know. Sue Gray is a pretty tough person. I, you may have seen the Mail on Sunday yesterday. We've done some work on her past life. Yes. This is someone who came up from very, very hard beginnings mm. uh, in, in 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 Tottenham. Uh, her mother was a barmaid. Her father died young. She you know, she she made her way. All she made her way all the way at the top of the of the civil service from nothing more than A level She never went to university. This is a person of some Strength of character. So I would not be surprised if she hadn't got as much as she possibly could into what's published. Let's not prejudge it. I don't know. I was I was impressed by that story of somebody who who can come up to the to the top from that level. It's not very common these days. It really is. So maybe maybe possibly. I don't know. It, it's a it's a fascinating piece, but it's well worth looking up on the web. It's an extremely interesting read. But uh, I, 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 not having seen it, I can't say. But let's just let's just see what happens. I'm not sure how much power. In reality, the police actually have to mess around with this either. But again... there's so many different forces well presumably uh, brought to bear on this.
3: Yeah, I mean, presumably also there's a, there's a very good possibility that if this particular report does have quite a lot in it, then the police investigation is sort of rendered redundant, isn't it? I mean, what I'm seeing here from the breaking news is a senior civil servant's findings, i.e. Sue Gray's, are expected to be made public within hours. So it looks as though probably later on today. The Prime Minister is then likely to make a statement in the House of Commons, which would be followed by questions from MPs, it's not clear precisely how much detail will be in it.
5: No, well, I, you, it's, it's futile to speculate, isn't it? Let's wait and yes. see, but let's not, let's not rule out in advance uh, the possibility of it being revelatory and, uh, and full, because it it just might be, and that, that would, of course, be more interesting than the other thing. Also, I think the gales of laughter and, and general displeasure which have greeted the formation of the Cake Squad by Dame Creston to Dick Uh, might conceivably lead to this thing fading away. Who knows? I I, I don't know. What is the the point of it?
3: Well, I think that's the trouble, that you and I, um, over time, probably the last few weeks, really, um, have come to a similar, perhaps a similar conclusion that it might end up becoming kind of irrelevant because events will overtake it. And I think that's always been Boris Johnson's strategy. Uh, If he has such a strategy, if he has any strategy, it was to kick it into the long grass, get the police involved, hopefully, which would then delay it even further. I mean, don't forget, we were supposed to be getting this this time last week. um, Yes. And we were being told repeatedly by all sorts of MPs on on the Tory side, well, we must wait for the Sue Gray report. We've waited and we've waited and we've waited and it's been put off and it's been put off and now we have it, but we don't quite have it and we don't know what's in it. Um, But by now, an awful lot of people who were quite rabid about what was going on inside Downing Street can't be bothered anymore. Well,
5: memories fade and, and passions fade. And the sort of purple uh, outrage which, which originally greeted the revelations has doubtless gone down a bit. You know, the, the, the swelling has reduced in the past couple of weeks. And I'm certain that Al Johnston's intention has always been to push it away as far as possible so that by the time it, it does come out, people care less. No. I, he's constantly trying to change the subject with very yes. great success. And, and here we are, of course, in another row about national insurance increases, uh, which which is a useful distraction. And, and also, off he goes, the great statesman uh, of our days, uh, trudging around Eastern Europe, mm. finding out where it is. And that will be fun. <laughs> and and it will get on TV. So I don't know. I, who, who can doubt the cynicism of trying to delay it? All politicians try to delay trouble. There's nothing new about that. This one is particularly good about it because, as an ex journalist, he knows that stories. do die if they're not sustained.
3: Have a shelf life. Absolutely right. I don't know if you read Camilla Long's piece at the weekend in the Sunday Times where she was laying the blame firmly at the sort of demise of Boris Johnson's ability to hold it all together uh, on his wife, Carrie, saying that everything from the wallpaper scandal to the parties, to the cake, to the green agenda, uh, to the uh, row over pen farthing and the animals out of Afghanistan, all had one thing in common and her name is Carrie Johnson.
5: Well, okay. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun, isn't it? The, the idea that, that, that uh, what do they call it? Carrie Antoinette is, is really ruling Downing Street and all the rest. Of it. Maybe it's true. Who knows? We'll have to wait for the diaries to come out. It's, it's, it's an entertaining speculation. Uh, but I don't, uh, I, I don't think we can possibly know. And in any case, as I say, he's still there, isn't he? Uh, which uh, well, he is. a lot of people might not have predicted a couple of weeks well
3: certainly ago. I thought he wouldn't still be there I mean I'm no I've got no reason not to admit to you if you didn't know that I thought that he was gone like about three weekends ago um, yeah, most I've, of I've I've had to I've had to revise that particular prediction obviously uh, and admit that I got it wrong but I don't believe I've got it wrong in the long term which is obviously now the words of a weasley politician that I'm saying oh, well. because of course it will come it come long? true in the end how long is long <laughs> yeah I think if if Carrie really is bat-
5: batting for him, then she's certainly not going to be urging him to give in, is she?
3: No, and well, I don't think that's, so. That's not
5: what that's not what she's going to do. She's going to say, "Hang hang in there." Alexander. But I think, that's, like like all which she... I can't, can't mentioned again, that's what everybody who really knows him calls him. He's not called Boris.
3: No, quite. And I mean, the thing is that the thing that will get him in the end, though, is the economy, as as in, you know, it's the economy stupid. If the taxes go up, if the energy prices go up anymore, people can't afford to do anything. Um, I'm told corporation tax is planned to be increased yeah. to 25 to percent next year, which is going to hit small business massively. And it's a huge mistake.
5: Yeah, but if you don't like high taxes, you're not going to vote for Keir Starmer, are you? Well, no. But, well, I there mean, you are, you see. It's a bit of a, that. that's not quite as disastrous as perhaps it looks. And everybody looks, you look at Keir Starmer and you think, low tax, high tax. You think high tax, don't you?
3: Yeah, but you might vote for somebody other than Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer, well, which, yeah. might help, which might help Starmer.
5: Uh, it's, it's extraordinary. I keep saying this. It's a great frustration to me. I'm not advocating it or anything, but it's just a fact that British mm. politics is incredibly tribal. At general elections, people return to their tribes. Yes. It's for the most part. And it's the ones in between. You have yes. to go for it and say, if, if tax is what you're worried about, If rising energy prices is what you're worried about, then I don't think you're going to get much salvation from from Keir Starmer or his... No,
3: I think not. One final question for you, because I know you're a keen cyclist uh, of the old-fashioned variety. Um, Did you see any changes on the roads this weekend with the advent of the new highway code that nobody understands? No,
5: I haven't read it yet. I I, I must get a copy and find out. I I think I'm, I'm very interested to see exactly what it says. And there is a lot of where I live, motorists are generally used to cyclists, and they tend to give them a fair amount of, of, of room and mm. uh, treat them courteously, which is all most of us want wants motorists to do. To understand that if you drive within six inches of us at forty miles an hour, we we it, it's it, it's quite frightening, yeah. and give us a bit of space. And I think, it, but it, 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 I've always said, you'll never ever get anywhere with traffic policy if you if you approach it by punishing motorists. Mm. You have to make the other forms of transport more attractive, the way the Dutch did. And you, when you do that, people will get out of their cars voluntarily. They'll find out that the many joys of not being tied to a car, not having to park, of getting free exercise, not having to join a gym, all those mm-hmm. other things which, which come from it, and they'll they'll change, but it, it it needs you need to make non-driving more attractive, not driving, not make driving unattractive. That's a stupid approach.
3: Right, it. and it seems to me that to, to narrow the lanes in which people are supposed to share the road is also the sort of recipe for disaster. And, and to it doesn't them, work. No it really does.
5: it doesn't it simply doesn't work and it it does it it gets people it, gets, it makes people angry I i, I opposed those huge bike lanes which appeared in london there's a stupid one in oxford where i live on on Maudlin bridge which is totally pointless and causes nothing but confusion it, it it's that's not the solution i where where cars and cyclists mix the only solution is courtesy and consideration By both sides, I do wish that cycling in traffic was part of the driving test, actually. Yes. I had to do a bit of it, just as I, I, I wish more cyclists would learn to drive and find out the problems that drivers have in trying to work out what cyclists are going to do next.
3: No, quite Right. Peter, great to talk to you as ever. Peter Hitchens, Man on Sunday, Columnist. We'll be back same time next week, of course. We're talking about a great many things. We had uh, breaking news in that half an hour, uh, which is that Sue Sue Gray's report has now been handed to number 10. I'm probably not quite right to say it's been published. It's been published in its form, but we haven't seen it yet. But we may see it. uh, We may hear about it this afternoon. Boris Johnson may well be up in Parliament talking about it. Let me just do a couple of quick tweets on the highway code front. Um, Benedict says, The new highway code is crazy, to say the least. More cyclists using the road as opposed to their own lanes, majority either without helmets or reflective equipment many riding in the wrong gear so horrendously slow, it's actually a joke Perry says, bikers highway code nothing new down my way, cyclists still not using dedicated lanes, riding two, three, four abreast, holding up tax and license payers who pay for and use the roads Lycra loonies love to show contempt uh, these new rules allow and then finally one from a pedestrian uh, who says, uh, John says, since the priority for pedestrians at junctions changed there have been at least four occasions where if I'd exhausted my right of way I would have been run over brilliant congratulations grant chaps congratulations to the people that came up with the new highway code it has as we predicted created a problem that's what I said it would do. <music> Welcome back to the Independent Republican. Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Also, now available, of course, on Talk Radio TV. Uh, it is the home of common sense. Just go to the uh, app store, download Talk Radio TV app, uh, or go to talkradio.tv and you can watch us on all manner uh, of, of uh, devices all over the place. Now, I'm delighted to say uh, we had some breaking news in the last hour from Downing Street. They have now received the Sue Gray report. We don't really know what's in it, how redacted it is, how much has it been taken out of it at uh, the police's request. Uh, but Peter Cardwell is here, fortunately, our political editor, uh, to tell us. what's about to happen and what may have already happened. Peter. Tell us uh, so what Bar- you know.
0: Boris Johnson has finally got the report which mm. he's been waiting for for ages. The right. game, ch- the massive game changer on Friday when the Metropolitan Police said they wanted certain things taken out of it. They went back and forward a number of times yeah. and then said there should only be a sort of passing reference to the numerous parties that there I think there's eight or nine of them that they're looking into. Mm. So Boris Johnson and his advisors will be locked in at the moment. He's making a statement to Parliament at half past three. Okay. That'll be about ten minutes. Then there'll be a ten minute reply from Keir Starmer right. and then there'll be debate for the rest of about an hour and I would imagine we'll, we'll cover all uh, some if not all of it here on talk radio later this afternoon. So um, this is very serious for the Prime Minister. We don't know how serious yet. Right. Um, we're talk- I know that my producer colleagues are talking to a lot of MPs who don't know what to say yet because right. they want to wait until they hear what's well, I mean, We've what been hearing this mantra for ages haven't yeah. we? Wait for the report. Yeah. Wait for the report. Well, but, now now, got it. but now we've got
3: the report. Are they going to likely release the report because they've also said down the street that they will release the Subaru yes. report in its current form, yes. i.e. what they've got we'll get. Mm-hmm. Uh, will that happen before? I would expect that
0: before 3.30 so um, the gov.uk 3.29 or 3 (laughs) (laughs) o'clock we'll see but it'll be up to Sue Gray and up to the cabinet office which is even though her boss is her boss's boss is Mm. Boris Johnson nonetheless uh, there will be pressure to release that as soon as possible and there's no reason really why it can't be released so I would expect that before 3.30 whether we'll have a chance to it depends how long it is of course we don't know whether it's six pages or 600 pages whether we'll actually get a chance to look through it and Keir Starmer of course as well if he's replying to Boris Johnson's statement the protocol is that he sees that statement before the Prime Minister delivers it usually with at least an hour's notice so in theory if the Prime Minister sent that to him in the next couple of hours then the report could be released around the yes. same time, but whether we have a chance to go through it in fine detail mm. before the Prime Minister stands up and speaks, that remains to be seen. And
3: we were told that that, that Boris Johnson was likely to speak to Vladimir Putin at some
0: point today. Mm.
3: Presumably that's not going to happen now before this all happens.
0: I would imagine this is now his priority yeah. to, to speak. Obviously Russia's a few hours ahead, I think it's three hours ahead in Moscow, yeah. so uh, they will schedule out at some stage, mm. but the business of government continues no matter what crisis mm. Boris Johnson is in uh, whether his leadership is under threat or not or whether he clings on yeah. uh, or whether there's a confidence vote but a lot of MPs waiting as as we've heard you know, we're waiting for the Sue Gray reports. This is a crucial day for the Prime Minister and as soon as it's out we'll bring it to you here on Talk and if
3: And I know these are all questions which are very very hypothetical and difficult to answer but if for example a lot has been taken out with regard to the parties I mean mm. what else is left because well, we surely the, yeah. the, the investigation was about the parties wasn't it?
0: I think there's going to be a lot about sort of the culture mm. in Downing Street, what happened, uh, Not uh, you know a lot of the narrative, a lot of the facts we kind of know already, mm. so that will be confirmed. In terms of any criminality, the point that many people have made is, well, if there are just going to be fixed penalty notices... Uh, of 100 £200, pounds. well there's no, there's no jury trial, no. there's no jury to influence, no. therefore why can't this be public? Right. So the question is, is there further criminality, is there more mm. than just a fixed penalty notice kind of cr- crime that may or may not have been committed, yeah. or is there more that may go to a trial at some yes. stage? So that's the question a lot of people are asking, and we don't know that, I mean mm. we don't know what we don't know, right. and we don't know what's been taken out of this report, or whether we're going to see big black lines through things this process of redaction, right or whether the, the, the information is just not going to be in there. It's amazing, isn't it? So we don't know what's been put in and we don't know what's been taken out. Yes. Apart from that, uh, we're, Apart from that, we're to, fully
3: informed I'm, here. I must tell you, Chris door this morning, QC, who doesn't agree with me on much, but we both agreed this morning, uh, that, that as far as the um, COVID regulation breaches may or may not be concerned, that is definitely not criminality. Because I said, what would you do uh, if you were advising Sir Keir Starmer and Angela uh, Rayner? Would you say to them, please stop using the word criminality? He said, yes. Because as you say, unless they find something... Further, yeah, the, what what they what they are accused of so far doing at well, if you parties, a, yeah, if is you get, not
0: criminality. If you get a parking ticket, yeah, or you know you, you're speeding, fine, mm. you're not a criminal. No, you don't have a criminal record. You right. have you have you've you've done something. You've um, bre- there is a breach of it's the like law. a penalty charge yeah, notice. But or you're something not like you know that. you're not you're not you're not exactly you know Ronnie Biggs No, quite busy afternoon for you then. Should be, yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm sort of perched. Perched for grey. I mean, to be honest, the last few days I have definitely had a sense of grey ja vu uh, (laughs) waiting for this report. But uh, when it comes out, I'll be going through it with a fine-tooth comb and uh, bring you all the details here on Talk Radio.
3: Peter Cardwell will be here with you all afternoon. And we know uh, now that there will be a statement in the House of Commons, as Peter said, half past three from the Prime Minister, uh, a response from Sir Keir Starmer. We should have the report before that. Uh, Apparently, uh, Boris will hand it over to the public uh, domain as it is in its current form. But we don't know, as I said, what's in it, and we also don't know what's been taken out of it. Apart from that, uh, we know everything. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Across the UK. Online. On DAB. And on your smart speaker. The independent republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio.